Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll. This is going to be episode 28. My name is Brendan and I am joined by... Christina! Uh, so, boy, do we have a very, very exciting episode for you guys tonight. Um, I would say that in this uh, group of three episodes that we ha or three sessions we're going to go over tonight, we have two of my favorite sessions that I ever ran and one of my least favorite sessions that I ever ran. Would that be the very last one of your least favorite? No, my, uh, would be the second to last one is my uh, least favorite. Okay. Uh, because that was the one where that I was, uh, that that was the post-LARP one. No, the very last one was our post-LARP one, I thought. Really? Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Huh. Maybe I'm getting some stuff confused. Well, we might have some extra stuff then. Well, I mean... I don't know. It might have been... One of the one of the last two ones was the post-LARP stuff. I just don't remember. It would be the, uh, the, the second to last one is the post-LARP one. Okay. Because I, I, I wrote myself into a corner that I told okay, myself yeah, that, yeah, I could, that, 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 that I would never do. post -LARP one. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start off with me talking here for a bit because the game actually opens on uh, a bit of backstory for... Uh, on Sunday, April the 28th, 2019. Oh, well, there we go. So, yeah, so this is going to start off uh, as we did with the... Uh, the last session with uh, Shepard's backstory, this one is going to go into the written-up backstory that I did for Cavalier. A young man in Lookshy garb looks out onto the plains of the Scavengerlands, full of hope and life. While taller than most, he is lanky and lacks the muscle of a full-fledged member of Lookshy's, arm of Lookshy's army. He comes out into the training field with others like him, going to the horse that he has been training on, a large black-furred beast that he has been training with. Wow, I... I'm terrible at writing sometimes. <laughs> he grabs the spear in the ground near him and hops onto the beast's back. More people line up with him and he smiles as they're going out for their first real excursion. Riding in sync, they head towards the disturbance they have heard in Great Forks to assist. Far in the distance, uh, towards Great Forks, beams of essence are spiking into the sky in a random display of immense power. The horses go into a gallop. They look towards their leader, an accomplished archmage who had recently exalted in the light of the sun. They will bring law and order to Great Forks. They should be tired, but they're not. Uh, the exalt with them let, lets them move without food or rest. They will make it in time. Rising above it all, they can see Great Forks, a massive piece of jade, a man with wings, uh, shout, and a man with wings shouts at a section of land towards the defenders of Great Forks, and they're obliterated in an instant. They can do this. They have the sun bear on their side. The man, the leader of creation's bard, this man, the leader of creation's bard guild, turns towards them, rage in his eyes, amplifiers level with them, and he can see that the attack is about to begin. Sorcery rages in the air as essences clash. The sun bear protects. They can do this. They can live up to his ideal. He raises his spear and lets loose the last rallying cry he will ever loose. He and his horse rush towards the fray, just a foot too far, just outside of the protective barrier. The front half of his horse evaporates. He is untouched, but he goes tumbling. There's nothing he can do as more horses come down upon him, trampling, crushing. One lost cadet or an entire city. The decision is obvious. His friends and troops rush past him, thinking him dead. He watches as the sun sets, broken, dying, but unable to move. 
The battle is won, but he is lost and forgotten. Someone comes to him, clad in soul steel armor and smelling of death. The massive being with a sword that screams for blood. He coughs up blood. Pain should be shooting through him, but it doesn't. Come, horseman. Your steed needs a rider. Behind him, the war steed he had once ridden trots out, no longer majestic but skeletal, fuming with hatred for a lost cause. Ride again under my banner? What choice is there? Die here, an unknown soldier, or take the offer and maybe stand once more? He takes the offer. His bones mend in painful agony. His form distorts and grows. Hungry ghosts of the battle rally to him and adorn him in an armor he was always meant to wear. He stands, takes his place upon his steed as the ghosts disappear into his armor. Arise, cavalier, and lead the army into battle for glory. So yeah, so we start off with that. If it wasn't very obvious, uh, basically I was giving a little bit of connection to uh, the events previous of when that uh, Wayward went out of control and basically Limit broke. Um, and also giving Sonny a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra oomph to fighting Cavalier when it would come time for that. And kind of relating, kind of having someone that uh, Sonny could relate to in the Abyssal Circle. Right. Because there, there was something that was kind of, like, he kind of had no one that he kind of related to yeah. at that point. Like, he, ha he was kind of forced to interact with one of them, but he didn't have one that's, like, there's any kind of investiture with. Right. Alright, so with uh, Cavalier's backstory out of the way, that's a vision that we end up getting the next time that we go to sleep. Um, but previously, so this doesn't technically happen, that that vision doesn't technically happen yet, but it does happen. Brendan just kind of wanted to start that off so that we all knew about it. Um, so as a reminder, from last session, aka last episode, we're all heading back to town and we run into Ghost and this guy fighting through a horde of undead. And the guy looks over and sees Nyx and says, oh, fuck. So, the sort of barred-looking gentleman uh, goes towards Nyx. As he's walking towards Nyx, Storm kind of moves closer uh, to them, kind of... I mean, this person we don't know is walking towards our little cinnamon bun. Of course, Storm's gonna be like, I'm just gonna mirror your movement and keep the same distance, because we'll find out who's faster if we need to. Uh, as she's doing this, she's keeping an eye on Ghost, as Ghost is on the battlefield fighting. Um, the bar dude just stops about 10 feet from her, kind of, I, I think at that point he noticed Storm was kind of keeping he, an he eye He noticed on... Storm, yeah, and he just kind of went, uh, I'm not gonna fuck with this. I'm gonna keep my distance so I don't seem like a threat, because you look like somebody who will murder me. <laughs> um... He does introduce himself. His name is uh, Desert Lullaby. Yep. With his cape kind of moving a little bit, you can see a floofy red panda tail underneath mm -hmm. of it. Um, so he's a lunar. Guess what? He's he's Nix's <laughs> he's Nix's lunar bond. Yeah. So he ends up asking <clears throat> Nix out on a date. I don't remember. I think it was one of those. So I know this might not be the opportune time, but would you go out on a date with me? I think it was something like that. Yeah. And I think that there was a point where that uh, he he like to to get Brit to really kind of understand it like when did they like shook hands or whatever like she kind of got like that flash of like oh that's a thing okay yeah kind of like when uh, Storm locked eyes with Sergey she's like fuck yeah yeah <laughs> very very much like that yeah 
Except it was her saying fuck instead of Des. Um, Storm decides to interrogate uh, Des a little bit and uh, learns he was actually learning from Mahasuchi over, uh, and he was just kind of, he got his lines, it was like, not on his lines, but he got his, uh, his silver uh, moon, moon tat- silver tattoos, tattoos yeah. uh, and was learning underneath the Mahasuchi, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, so while this is going on, Sergei calls in to us and asks if we had a big push on our side against them because on their side they had felt a push on them, and he told <clears throat> uh, Storm that Black Eye Shadow was leading the forces in Kiragas. And that uh, Black Shadow had dipped, possibly in our direction. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, <clears throat> sorry, you look like you wanted to say something. Uh, so one of the reasons that there was a push is because uh, basically I had it. So then it's like, oh hey, the like I had made rolls for both sides. Uh, obviously, I had made rolls for you guys because you guys were doing the rolling on your side. Yeah. But I had made rolls for Kirigast as like kind of like a behind the scenes thing, and they came out as basically. If everything stays the same, or, like, if everything stays the same, they're, they would basically, like, stalemate with them. But because you guys, like, just started obliterating the, all, all of them on, on this side, the horde of zombies and undead basically starts pushing towards Kirigast, which is why they suddenly get a real big, just, push that actually breaks the stalemate on their side. Um, it wasn't enough to actually, like, really, like, decimate Kirigas, but it was enough that, like, Sergei's like, whoa, hold the fuck up. Let me check in on the other side and see what's going on over there, because this is weird. Um, as this is going on, uh, God King checks in on his cult and finds out that it's his grandson that's trying to mess with the Tricon. As we mentioned before, the Tricon was kind of being watched or was under attack or something like that. Was, uh, there, there's a, there's someone who's trying to assassinate him. Yeah. Uh, and as I mentioned in the last, uh, recording, this one's gonna jump around a lot for the session because we're gonna keep going around from character to character with different things that they're doing because we're kind of split up at this point. Um, like, we're all together, but we all start splitting up. Um... So, uh, by the way, this is one of my favorite sessions that I've There's ever a lot of stuff that happens in this session that's just fucking crazy. It, it's it's definitely like one of my favorite. two and a half pages of notes. It's so. definitely one of my favorite. Um, we go over to Sunbear, or Sunny. A uh, Sunblessed approaches Sunbear and discreetly pulls him off to the side. He mentions something uh, had happened to the Quartermaster, I believe it was. Something about moving tons of metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quartermaster, the quartermaster is crucified to a merry-go-round that's just kind of going around and around. Mm-hmm. They end up finding him, um, and Sonny pulls him off and re- basically revives him. Uh, the guy is in shock, and it takes him a bit to be able to compose himself to the point where he's able to say that two of the new recruits came in to ask for new gear, and when they went to get the things for him... Uh, this merry-go-round appeared, and the quartermaster was put onto it. It w- had to do with a lanky man and a guy that had kind of a solid build to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took the bags, and they ended up booking it down to the south with the stuff. Mm-hmm. I have in my notes that it was probably Void and Grief, but I don't know how true that is. Probably different people. Uh, it, one of them was Grief. One of them was Grief? The other one was Prelude to Domination. Gotcha, okay. 
the the uh, grief I always kind of uh, pictured as like kind of like solid build, mm-hmm. like not because like I can't remember the exact description of grief. So I was just like, he's a solidly built guy, whereas prelude to domination has always been lanky scientist man. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so I was half right on my guess. Mm-hmm. The only reason I was questioning uh, Void was because solid, like, mummy is very descriptive for him, so it's kind of hard to hide that unless he's wearing a skin suit properly for once. Right. Um, but yeah, they ended up taking mundane supplies from Ebon Sins, mostly metal is what I have written down. I'm not sure. Yeah, the Ebon Sins were uh, another group of... Uh... That's right, we mentioned them before. I just couldn't remember. Um, we also find out that, going back to, to uh, a little bit with God King, we find out that God King's grandson is about 30 years old, very beautiful like God King himself, uh, pale blonde hair and very pale features otherwise. Kind of this dark gothic beauty uh, to him. Um, I describe uh, The best way that I could think of uh, using a lot of those is... I described him as almost like an anti-paladin. Okay. At least what I see in my head as an anti-paladin, which is like just gothed out paladin. Okay. Um, so once we get the description, Storm notifies Asp, which is her person here, to look for the grandson. God King asks the cult and his priest network to keep a lookout for him. Only takes about five minutes before uh, God King gets a reply that the grandson is in the Tricon's palace right now. So Storm tells Ass to forget about looking for the, the the grandson. We found them. Keep an eye out for Black Eye Shadow instead because he's he's possibly in our area. But for the love of everything, do not engage him mm-hmm. because that's a death wish. Yeah, yeah, engaging a sidereal as some kind of even as like a heroic mortal is still some kind of fucking death wish. Very true. Uh, so we're going to skip to around to Lioness now. So Lioness is walking back to Kiaroscuro. Along the way, she sees an armored man on a horse uh, riding towards Kiaroscuro. She charges towards him to stop him, and he just disappears. In his place, there's a note um, that tells her to burn it after dark when she's alone. And it kind of sounded like a love letter. I don't know if you have the... I do. Okay. It says... Thank you for the sparring session, my love. It was nice of you to get my stagnant blood pumping once more like it hasn't since you left us. I wish to treat with you and you alone. If you return my feelings, please burn this letter after dark, and I will find you. I will only come if you're alone, and I will know if you try to trick me. Loving, lovingly yours, Cavalier. So it very much sounds like a love letter. <laughs> yes. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I had in there is I was trying to build up like more... These are, like, per- very personal villains. And one of the things that I had in there is that uh, Cavalier is, in lo- is like, hopelessly in love with Lioness. Too bad the feelings I don't think are entirely returned. They are not returned at all. Yeah. I know Lioness has feelings for someone else, which I don't remember if we've ever gone into before. So No, but be... we probably will next episode. Yeah, that'll be a, a thing for when we kind of bring everything to conclusion and talk about how people wanted their stories to end. Yep. Um, oh, no, that'll be a thing for next episode. Yeah. Uh, so on her way back uh, to look at maps, she runs into the alchemical captain from Ku's Revenge. Or, sorry, Ku's Vengeance. Vengeance. 
Um, they're doing a resupply, kind of resting up here. Linus wants to, quote-unquote, pick his circuits, basically pick his brain, uh, about what has been going on. They, the, apparently, they've been fighting cogwheel dragons, um, a, there's a large ship that defies their, even their explanation, uh, other flying things, and, uh, I believe all of it's made of magical materials except for adamantine, which yep. is pretty interesting. Which is not a magical material that can be found in creation. Yeah. Um, they tell us that there's a, a large fleet coming from the northern direction that got stopped by a storm currently and notifies that there's no essence running through the ley lines uh going north instead uh so we but that the the energy is going north instead i believe it is so we Mm -hmm. need to fix these ley lines so that's not where it's all going towards um basically our enemies are purposely diverting the the ley lines so we don't have essence flowing to where we need them to Mm um flip over to storm who's talking to Ghost. She finds out that Author and Will are assisting with an, with the other flank. Uh, Voice and Surgeon are assisting with the wounded and the distraught. And we ask about sending Surgeon to Kiergast to basically help with the puppeteer plague that's going on over there. There's been rumors about that happening as well. Um, she, at this point, Storm asks Ghost, uh, I believe again, about reversing the opera and uh, to go to Jupiter or Sidereal of Secrets, possibly Star, and they might know a secret to doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also talk of how there's an awning of the third alleyway that's in the Shadowland beneath where the barge is parked. Mm-hmm. And at nightfall, uh, Storm needs to go over there for some reason. We'll mention it a bit. Um, so Storm goes to speak to Star in a discreet cafe, and they have a conversation about a couple different things, kind of catching up and basically sharing information and kind of see where each of them are at and compare notes. Um, Storm brings up a ceiling ritual for the main beneath the waves and basically says, you know, if Star can find this out, it'll square away all of his debt with Storm. Like, they're on even kill now. Um, she tells them about the meeting that she's supposed to have with the maiden, um, about the conversation that she had had with the maiden in her circle before, and uh, her plan to get the rest of the masks from the abyssals of her group and just kind of keep collecting them since she still has the one on her. Uh, and also talks about Black Eye Shadow and how, you know, she wants to murder him. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically asked him to please watch over her for the meeting that she's going to have with the maiden and finds out that. The sidereal allies for their group are the ones that have been keeping basically the baddies from getting the mask, and apparently basically it's my word for this session, um, because the abyssals have actually, abyssal sidereals, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the the maiden circle has actively been trying the entire time to get that mask back, but it's been the sidereals who have been fighting that back. Yeah, the sidereal allies have been keeping, so the only way they can get the mask as if Storm freely gives it to them, which is why they wanted to make that deal. So we cut over to Sunny, who uh, flies off to follow after the two um, who basically had fucked off and taken all the... uh, who fucked up the Quartermaster and fucked off and stole the stuff. Mm -hmm. He sees this... uh, As he's going off, he sees this large dome and slide. uh, People bringing materials to it. 
Do you have a description for how that goes, by the way? Or am, are we just going to talk about it? Um, I do have a description, not for him actually entering, but when the things start going in, I have little bits of description. Do you want to just go ahead and start uh, with Let's those? see. Following these people, he will encounter a manse made of random materials assembled together to look like a massive playground with a temple jungle gym at the center. Everyone who gets onto it... Should I keep going? Yeah, go ahead. Everyone who gets onto the jungle gym will begin to meld with the metal and cackle madly. Um, it's a people slide. It, I, uh, let's see. That's all that I have for that. A lot of the other stuff I just kind of came up with on the fly. So basically, if I remember correctly, the way you described it was people would slide down the slide, and as they got to the end, they would sort of meld with the metal and continue the slide. Yes, they would continue making the slide longer and longer. It was a people slide. And then Sonny is just getting over the comms going, I don't know what to do. What is going on? I think there was a point where that some people turned into monkey bars. Yes. Okay. Yep. Because uh, I have some quotes from this session. Architect, why are these people turning into monkey bars? Literally is one of the quotes. Uh, <laughs> another, when, as Sonny was saying these things that he was seeing over the comms, I think it was the lioness or God King was like, yeet the baby. And he's like, I'm not going to eat the baby. The amount of times that yeet the baby got brought up in that one session. Actively made me hate the word more than I already did. I mean. You guys it, realize this whole campaign, the usage of the word yeet is actively the reason that I hate it. Well, yeah, because we started overusing it. Yep. To the point. It was specifically that session where it got overused. Because I want to say there was just five minutes of everyone going, Yeet the baby! Yeet the baby! That and the uh, one where they were in the box on the barge. That one also got used quite a bit. That one wasn't terrible because it wasn't constantly happening over the course of, like, flip-flopping scenes multiple times. Yeah. And then it just kept getting said afterwards because it was really funny at the time, but then it just kept getting said over and over. So it's like a joke that has a really good punchline, but you keep telling the but you keep saying just the punchline over and over again for like twenty minutes. And to the point where I hate that word now. Actively hate it. Uh anyways, as he's viewing these things going on, he runs into Ark and Grief. Mm -hmm. And basically has a random conversation with them. He, uh... There's some convers there's some talk about Ontang and Jem. I don't have specifics, but... I think that they were giving some information about Ontang and Jem. Uh, specifically, I think that at some point they mentioned something about a ritual going on in Ontang. And basically the Jem's been taken over completely. Because yeah. everybody always takes over Jem. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was an offhanded thing. You're talking to a child and a person that doesn't really care. So, who's just kind of there to keep an eye on the child. <laughs> One of the plot things you guys actually missed, as I'm noticing here, is is that because Sonny went that way um, and focused on that, um, he did not notice where the Prelude to Domination went. Yeah, it's true. Which Prelude to Domination goes even further south, and we'll talk about this next episode. Yep. Um, There's there, this this one session is going to have a lot of here's a thread that I'm going to have to talk about next episode of this. Mm 
he finds out that uh, this group has people in the Evansons and the Dells and Riders, so they have informants in there. And for some damn reason, uh, Sonny decides it's a good idea to give Ark a communicator to talk to him in the Sunblessed. This was not a good idea. There were so many times I told Brendan, I was like, just let me start whispering things to Tony. Just let me do it. I should have just let you, like, start, like, just actively fucking with him, like, over Messenger. Just being like, yeah, go ahead, just start sending him weird shit yeah. over Messenger. Well, I, so I know why uh, Sonny had such a weirdness when it came to Ark. It was because uh, Sun Barrett had a little sister who had died from a plague. Right. Which is basically the... Which is funny. Basically the fucking backstory for Architect. Yeah, it's literally sa- same age. Apparently they look about the same, too. And literally Architect's backstory is she died from a, a sickness at a young age. Um, there's a little bit more to it, but I think I've talked about it before. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. When yeah. we were doing uh, the Legion Sanguine. That's what I thought. Back to Nyx. Or to Nyx, technically. Because I don't think we went straight straight back to her. Um... She got announced on a date, so she goes to meet uh, Dez at the top of uh, the Kiriskiro skyscraper. There's a picnic spread out with all different things, and surprise, it was Void all along. Yep. Uh, So Void is wearing a desert lullaby's cloak. He offers her a sandwich and sits across, and she, she sits across from him. Just out of arm's reach, specifically. They get to know one another a little bit. And while they're talking, um, you know, they hear another voice. Very close by, but kind of lower to where they're at. Just slightly lower from, from the skyscraper that they're on top of. Uh-huh. And it's a desert lullaby. He uh, was hanged over the edge and had a sock stuffed in his mouth. So he basically had to chew through the sock to be able to talk. Mm-hmm. Void pulls him up, um, and just kind of looks at him and is just like, you're ruining my date. Uh, Nyx tries to save him, and Void, seeing this, gets upset and just lays into poor Desert Lullaby and throws him off the building. As that he realizes that he's been rejected, and like any Abyssal Edgelord, he does not take it well. Nope. He is very upset. There's lots of resonance because he's upset, and he, he just disappears as Desert Lullaby is careening, tie, still tied up, careening over the edge of this building and falling down. So Nyx dives after him, and I think she used her dance word. Uh, yes, her dance word. She too. grabs onto him and basically impacts the ground, but because she has this weird thing with her dance word, she doesn't touch the ground. So with her being on the bottom, she braced his impact, so neither one of them got hurt. Mm-hmm. And I remember Britt saying, this is the probably the coolest thing my character will ever do, and nobody else is here in character to see it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, she saves him, so um, it's kind of nice. Did you have something? Uh... I'm just reading through my notes, and uh, let's see, if Nyx goes along with... Uh... Let's see. Void will proceed with the date if she allows it and talk about how pretty she is and how he wants to get to know her more. If asked, he'll talk about his conquest and how cool his championship belt is. Basically, he just talks about himself and doesn't let Nyx actually get a word in edgewise. 
is how I ended up role-playing it. Yeah. Uh, he came off as really, like, not a good person in that moment. But, like, that's what I really wanted to push, is that... He's he, not a good he's person. He's not a good person. It's like, yeah, he's giving you all this, like, positive attention, but he's really not a good person. Yeah. Um, let's see. Eventually, uh, Desert uh, will get free and start screaming for help. If if uh, if Nyx doesn't go along with uh, with the date with the mummy, um, Desert will get free a lot faster. Uh, here, no matter so no matter what, Nyx has to choose who is worth her time. If she goes for Desert Lullaby, Void will throw him off the building, and Nyx will have to do some quick thinking to save him, which is what that she did. Yeah. If. Uh, <laughs> Desert also doesn't help the situation as he will be screaming about her about her being his lunar mate. <laughs> Which he was totally doing. If for some reason she chose Void, he'll let Desert go and give him a swat on the butt with the flat of his katana before talking to Nyx where she might be able to get some information from him before his resonance gets too high. <laughs> So yeah, so if for some reason Brit had chosen... I mean, if it was me, it would have been one of those things of, yeah, I'll choose you just to get information, but no, not really. <laughs> but that's just because that's the mentality I had at the store. So that would have been a really bad idea for her to have done, because if you recall, Void was their Eclipse cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was totally like, if she chooses Void... He's gonna sanctify that oath. And things are gonna get bad. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Very careful wording with people is mm -hmm. the main thing. Yep. Anybody you know who's exalted and even people you don't know, you should be very careful with wording shit. Mm-hmm. As our sidereals found out plenty of times. Um, back to God King. God King goes to meet his grandson. Uh, they meet at a god's temple. The grandson has the mindset that you should, that you can and should grave rob to obtain wealth because, I mean, they're dead. They don't they're need the wealth anymore. It. Yeah. <laughs> There's a small discussion and or argument that ensues. Which is not a good thing considering that uh, grave goods are actually a really good currency in the underworld and it's a known fact about that if you have any kind of underworld knowledge. Yep. I mean, that's what our our uh, abyssals were doing missions for us to get great goods. Right. And uh, so God King uses his miracle to make his godson owe all the money. <laughs> so yep. much money. Miracle of wealth to put him into infinite debt. You, you may be my grandson. I'm not going to murder you because that will hurt me. Uh, but you owe everything in existence. Cue up to Linus. She gets all dolled up, uh, lays out sort of a picnic spread, because apparently picnics are one of the themes of yep. the session. Yep. She burns the paper at night, and Cavalier does show up. Uh, he warns her about a leash that's being cut and uh, the heaving ground to watch out for. He also uh, tells her that uh, basically as much as he can. Here's everything I can tell you. Uh, even though I'm a Korean resident, I want to help you out because I love you. Also that uh, Faffle's next move is for the owl to decide. Meticulous owl. Mm-hmm. 
and that's kind of the extent of their quote-unquote date uh, unless you have more to add to it um no basically he was one of the big uh information drops yeah a lot a lot of the time when you guys were meeting the abyssals they were in some way an information drop the ground heaving is actually a reference to the fact that because you guys had killed shepherd uh sunbane went berserk that makes sense and was going to become a uh not necessarily well a boss monster but it was going to become more of a the best way to put it is is that he wasn't going to have an actual HP pool so much as he was just so fucking big and, like, hard to deal with on its own that, like, you guys basically... He became, like, a set piece where you had to deal with, like, something too big for your own powers to deal with. Yeah. So you had to, like, deal with him Plus in, like, weird ways. Plus he had that dope-ass armor that Ark made him, too. Right? But yeah, so that that was the reference to I the mean, Ark had, ground. I mean, Ark had a soft spot for creatures, so... Mm-hmm. She made a, some, bang, some dope ass armor because Shepard asked for it. She's like, okay. Yeah, sure! Here, dope ass armor for Sunbane. Good boy. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, back to Storm. Before heading to head up with the maiden, Storm tells uh, everybody what's going on that she's literally about to go and meet up with the maiden personally. Um, and here's the directions for anybody who thinks they can discreetly watch or needs to know where she's at in case shit hits the fan and for this conversation she is cutting off communications because she doesn't need people in her head um so she steps up to the edge of the shadowland alley she sees two ghosts having a duet it's delilah and wayward Mm -hmm. as she steps into the shadowland uh, the haunting duet dissipates, Wayward Sun goes away, and the main beneath the waves appears. They have a conversation with one another. It's kind of a back-and-forth tete-a-tete with uh, Storm telling her that she's not giving her the mask. That's her decision. Mm-hmm. Um, as Storm and uh, Star... As Storm walks away, Storm me- uh, Star meets up with Storm, and Wayward's ghosts appear. He mentions how the Jade Prison is the Maiden's weakness and that uh, she has ascended past a Death Lord and might be a Maiden of sorts. And uh, Oh no, the name actually meant something. Yeah, right? And uh, that we need his exaltation to get the other half. I think the other half of the information that we need was what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was giving you guys a reason to, after the South, to go up to Yushan and talk to... What's his fuck? I can't remember his actual name, but the God of Exaltations. I don't remember off the top of my head either. He's a really fun character to deal with. Uh, at this point, everyone meets back up, and Star agrees to go call in a favor in the West to see about getting Wayward's Exaltation back. And we find out from Lioness that she doesn't want to kill Cavalier because apparently Cavalier wants redemption. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Because, I mean, he as, was, as we he mentioned... was one of the redeemable Yeah, ones. as we mentioned, there were a couple of Fathful's Abyssals that were redeemable or wanted redemption. Most of them didn't go by... Well, I would say maybe like half of them didn't really go by choice. Mm-hmm. It was one of those, like, I don't want to die like yeah most of them were like i don't want to die so i'm gonna just do this and just kind and then of others of them were just like 
Hey, you're dying. Do you want to get vengeance? Yeah, give me that vengeance. <laughs> give me that power. So, because I think it was, I think it was pretty well split on the ones who mm -hmm. didn't want to die, yep. actually. Because it was uh, Ark, uh, Cavalier, I, th I think Mercy. I think those were the three that didn't want to die. Mm -hmm. And then Shepard was like kind of on the fence. Yeah, I think he yeah, but he was, he was still also like super evil. Yeah, he wanted revenge. Um, Void basically wanted revenge. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember uh, Vision. visions. I don't. I never got to write anything up. But considering that I made her uh, canonically to us as part of the the Victory Society before. Um, yeah, so she before she, she even exalted, yeah. so like so she was, was already irredeemable. Yeah, it was very like splitsy down the middle on mm -hmm. who was just like, I'm just doing this because I don't want to die. I'm just following you because I have to now. Mm -hmm. And then others were just like, No, I fucking enjoy this. Yeah, um, and so he was definitely one of the ones that was just like, If there's a way to redeem me, that's great. I love, I love that you know redemption. Please help. <laughs> Oh, and then the other one that we're forgetting that is totally redeemable, but is not technically part of that canon, is Plague of Trust, who's technically their commander. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's the end of that session, so that was one of the longer ones. Yep. I think that is the longest one that's going to be tonight. Oh, yeah, definitely. The other two are super short in comparison. Okay. Like, the other two take up about as much as that one. Yeah. And a lot of, and I don't have notes for that, for the one coming up. Yeah, I have notes for the one, for this one, and then the very last one is literally just, here's numbers, and here's random stuff, and that one's just going to be more of us describing the bullshit. Right. Okay. All right. So now, on to my personal shame of the session. Keep in mind, this one did happen because I was basically fighting off a LARP coma. Yep. Sunday, May the 12th. 2019, we decide we're going to go to the lap to fight Jester. Which was not in any of my predictions for what they would do. Which is why I have no notes for what they would do. I thought that they would go and fight Sunbane, or investigate the gymnasium, or deal with um, any of the other stuff in the South, instead of dealing with the lap, which they decided to do. It was the easiest abyssal to take down, was the was Jester on the lap, because I even told you before this session, I was like, so here's an idea, here's my idea I'm proposing to everybody. We go deal with the lap and fight Jester, that's another place that we can put under our control, another area to have allies. Then we go here, here, and then here. Like, I plotted it out and told you, I was like, if I can convince everybody to do this, this is the route we're gonna go. And everybody's just like, that makes sense, sure. As if the game hadn't ended there, there were going to be some major consequences for not dealing immediately with the Legion Sanguinary and Sunbane. Oh well. And uh, a couple other things that got unleashed <clears throat> that we'll talk about next episode. Yep. Uh, God King goes to check in with uh, his cult. It's fine. Uh, we're on the barge. We're riding in the barge right now to the lap. Uh, Nyx shows Dez around the barge. Uh, they have a nice little dance together. Uh, Lions oh, one of the things to note about Dez that I don't think we talked about is that uh, his one of his words that pa that paired really well with uh, Nick's was he has the music word. Yep. So and since she has the dance word, it's actually kind of adorable to have them like he'd be playing on his harp and she'd be dancing. Yep. Uh, by the way, Desert Lullaby is actually a reference to Edward from Final Fantasy IV. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He he is the he is the titular Spoonie Bard. Spoonie Bard. Yes. 
Uh, Linus is trying to find out movements about the lap so that we can do some planning. Uh, we find out there's lots of drownings in this area, and it's been happening for, you know, just like 16 years. No big deal. Um, lots of drownings in a desert. Yep. I mean, not, not weird at all. We've had sand that moved like water and sand. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's, that's, in, that's in the Feywild, not super close to the elemental pole of Earth, which is a grounding force. I mean, there's pockets of Feywild everywhere. It's fine. Um, Storm is checking in with Sergey to let them know what's going, what they're deciding to do by going to the lab. Sergey tells her that they're going to make a push in Kira gas, uh, so make sure that Kyra's uh, uh, gear is repaired. Just some casual chit chat between them because it's them. And Storm mentions uh, Desert Lullaby to see if Sergey may know about him. Um, mentions that a surgeon and someone else will be coming up there to help with the puppeteer plague. Uh, Sunny is with the sun blessed on the ground. Uh, when we get there, finally to the lap, there's this uh, chunk of rock with chains that's submerged in water, and there's lots of people wearing uh, this symbol. A chunk of rock with chains. Yeah, submerged in water. Lots of people are wearing this symbol. Yeah, obviously the maiden symbol. Yep. I just wanted to make sure I was reading that right, because it's yeah. very, like, clipped. Yeah, and that, that, that is her symbol, is a submerged rock with chains around it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I have runes on the side here. It's kind of funny. Anyways. Um, like Stormflux runes? Yeah, Stormflux runes. That, that is kind of weird. I have the heal rune off to the side here. We were literally just got out of war. I know, because I had taken that whole, uh, the whole weekend off. Um and Monday as well, because Monday was my birthday that day. Right, right. And that's the day I got harpered also. So, uh, Nyx notices, or basically knows, that the actual statue of the lap is a first age construction slash device of some kind. Um, the air chakra is focused right on the forehead. The water chakra is, fo- is uh, focused more around the stomach. I don't know why I have those in particular written there, but I do. Uh, because I mentioned them. Okay. The 50th annual barbecue festival that was organized by Jester is about to happen. Uh, people are killing each other with barbecue implements after uh, Sunny does slash says something that alludes to moving up in line by people killing other people. Uh, people start doing this. Things get weird because my brain is super tired. Uh, when bodies fall, it's seawater instead of blood. Uh, this continues to escalate, and now people are being barbecued. Uh-huh. Things continue to escalate in incredibly weird ways, alluding to Jester's weird power. Yeah. Storm goes uh, down and tries to find out information from the people, uh, and says a thing, and people get nuked, apparently. Did they just explode? I guess. I guess that they just exploded. Literally, I don't have notes on this, so I guess. The phrase says uh, the the phrase is storm goes down and tries to find out info from these people. Says a thing and people get nuked. That's literally what I wrote. I don't remember what you said to get them nuked. I don't know. Um, The fire is in the heart, which Nyx realizes. Uh, The wood essence is in the temple in the crotch. And, right. Yeah. And Jester comes out. Uh, at this point, Julia's fallen asleep. I have that written down in here, too. Yes, yes. Because, again, this is 
the game after a LARP, everybody tired that day. Yep. So, Sunny goes inside the Wood Essence and looks for a control center for the Mons. People on God King's barge are getting all milky-eyed. Uh, Throne ends up appearing, and God King and Throne, uh, basically Eclipse cast a deal together. Which I don't have written down, I don't think, to what it was. It was probably something like, we're gonna finish this, blah blah blah, here's a time limit for us. I don't know. Uh, Earth is the throat. Uh, the lap looks like a large community sprung up on the lap and the legs, which is, makes sense because lap. Uh, it's je- called the lap. Yeah. Jester finally shows Storm around and explains how the lap supplies the realm with food. Um, because he basically, while she was investigating, he just shows up in front of her and is like, Hi, Storm! <laughs> Hi, how you doing, buddy? Let me just uh, show you around. Uh, and is kind of, I guess, playing distraction at this point. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm sure Jester Don't look knew. over there. Don't look over there. Yeah. Look over here. <laughs> look at this interesting Ta- you, thing. You probably know everybody's here anyways, but I'm just going to play nice with you for right now. Uh, Sunny ends up getting up to the shoulders and is confronted by a spirit of immaculate... Of an immaculate monk. Yes. I can't read because it's like slowly off to the side. Uh... What is the sound of one hand clapping? Do you remember what you guys did? Uh, did you guys, did you guys just do? Yeah, like we the, just. I think we just did the. You all, the, you all did that. I think it was literally all of us except j- for j- Tony. Just smacking like your your the top of your hand against the bottom of your hand. The thing that I was looking for you guys to do, but that was really good, was for you guys to just for him to just clap with like like pretend to clap, but with only one hand, so that it was just. Making a whooshing noise through the air. Oh, you don't get that joke. Brett would get that joke. Mm-hmm. Damn. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so he's asked, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Uh, apparently, Sunny throws the spirit's corpse out the window so that the spirit can see the clown slash jester. It lands in front of Storm as Jester is giving a tour. Uh, it's raining. Brings a whole new meaning to it's raining men. Yeah, right? Uh, the spirit sees it and then is at rest, so I don't know. Um, Sunny finds the control room and finds a map of the south. He sees the dragon lines are rerouted to the lap and then up to the Blessed Isles so that the power is sent to the Sword of Creation. Uh, going to Nyx and God King, they get to talk to Throne. Ooh, fun. Uh, Dancer and Crimson King are around and, uh, it's is definitely Shepard that is a temporary member resurrected, apparently. Yes, they uh, they resurrected Shepard to give them Shepherd a Shepard is, is not too far away. Storm notices that it's the, the water making uh, them complete, complacent. Mm-hmm. And Sunny reroutes the ley lines correctly. Storm moves out of the way of a tidal wave and they see a giant soul steel. I have in quotes, Power Ranger Zoid. And that's the end of that Zord, session. you mean. I, I wrote Zoid because I'm stupid. Zord, Zord is the correct I know, word. it's Zord. I don't know why I wrote Zoid. I'm dumb. Yeah, no, that was a very, um, holy crap, is Brendan tired? How am I going to roleplay this? I didn't plan for any of this. But yeah, it's basically... Holy shit, uh, uh, holy uh, shit. It comes out, and then tidal wave. Oh, sidestep that. Fuck that shit. Right. So, the next game, when does that happen? Can that, you give me a date? Uh, Sunday, May 26, 2019. Is that the one the last game happens? I that guess is it was. the last session that we did. 
Okay, I thought it was in June for some reason. No, June was when we started the podcast. That's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Maybe. June is when, uh, end of June is when our first episode of Werewolf went up. That's so weird to think about. Yeah, right? It's so weird to think about how close these things happen together. Well, it's also weird to think about, come June, we've been doing this for a year. Right? I feel like we should do something special for that day. Probably, yeah. Uh, so, the overview... Is that going to be another drink and record session? That might be. Or that might be the, uh, the last of this. Maybe. Which would be not next episode, but the following one. Maybe. So anyway, the overview for this f- one that I have here is... Okay. The group is transported into a five-person piloted giant robot. Facing off against them is the maiden's own is the maiden's own personal massive mech coming from the ocean. <laughs> Each player gets a card of abilities that they can use and is expected to share this information so then they can do some dope ass combos on the enemy mech. Yeah, I remember mine was I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was uh basically I was the arm and mm-hmm. my whole, I, I did this really cool description of the skin, I think, peeling back off of the arm with scales underneath as it morphed into this you giant will, snake. We'll talk about that later, because that does come up later, but that's not in the initial write-up. Oh, yeah. Well, you said so, the cards, so that's why Yes, I you guys curious. did get cards, but then I did also give you guys secret abilities that come up as the fight progresses. So one of the things is that... Uh, the other robot has the exact same abilities, has the exact same amount of turns as you. Um, and basically, everyone controls a limb, and then someone else controls the head. Um, a lot of them just get, like, really just absolutely ridiculous abilities. Like, being able to do, um, let's see, ready in all directions, add minus four to AC, but also get minus two to attack bonus. And that's just a commit effort. Uh, Supreme Blazing Solar Bolt. Open the mouth of the Monk of the Lap and you breathe out the power of the sun. 10d10 straight commit effort for the scene. Smite. Yep. Um, Oh, my favorite quote as we started doing this fight. I wrote down in here because I was just bored. Not bored, but I was like, we were getting descriptions and I was listening to it. And it was one of those like, around the turns i was think coming up with stuff to do and i was like everybody was robot fighting those abyssals were fucked by smiting yeah basically every single smite in in this is ridiculous some of them are a little bit harder to pull off because some of them require combos to be done by uh like both arms both legs yep (coughs) um so the fight goes on and it's looking pretty good but the abyssals are also get eventually rolling really well and like getting the upper hand to the point where that when you guys reached 50% health, the first secret ability unlocked. Do you want me to say the thing that I, I posed to do and you said yes to, or is yes. it this? So. Because that is not written down here. So, uh, while we're having this mech fight and we're trying to figure out what to do to curb stop these in. I have the brilliant idea, and I'm like, all right, Brendan, I have a thing I want to try. You are free to tell me no, because it might not make sense. But I still have Wayward Son's old Magical Girl pendant that used to let him transform into the Magical Girl armor. Can I somehow, like, fuse that into the mech? 
because we have Nyx, who, who's an architect, because she has those words for it. She has artifice. And, like, is there a way we can make this work? And Brendan's like, yo, that's a dope idea. I'm down. Here's what happens. And our mech transforms, does, like, a magical girl transformation and has magical girl mech armor now. So... One of the things I'm really super proud about is that I actually have a list of songs to play for this. Um, so the start of the fight, I obviously started off with the Power Rangers theme. Yeah. Um, and then when the Abyssals go on the offensive and are looking to start to win, um, it switches to sh- uh, the song Shadow Lord from the Near Automata thing. If you guys are interested in listening to all of these, you can kind of see how that I'm like doing stuff as like highs and lows of combat and like it really works it really really fucking worked well for this um so after the uh addition of the uh the magical girl pendant people to a were bit of, able to unlock special abilities um was it the fir- was the first one the special abilities or was that uh I don't know. I have I because remember this this is these notes are all over the page because I was mostly keeping numbers, and all I have is the magical girl transformation. The next bullet point is unlock special abilities for everyone. Okay, so the other thing that I think that you're missing in there, uh, and let me know if you know about this, is when all of your allies show up. Is there a note for that? Uh, no. Okay. So the first thing that should have happened after the ma- uh, before the magical girl transformation actually was there was like a button that popped up and it was called. Oh uh, yeah, button appears in robot Linus. Uh, uses Sunny's hand to press it. It seems like the AC got turned off in the bot. I don't know. I don't know why that that happened. Oh, I think that was just like a funny thing that happened. And then I think that another button appeared. And then basically the secret ability call the fleet. All of your allies come to your aid, adding their munitions and will towards your efforts. Regain 50% of your HP or regain half of your spent uh, essence. One use. Yeah. So basically, like, the Molusca Bay pirates and, like, all of your allies in Kirigast and, like, elsewhere just fucking show up and start, like, adding their munitions into everything. And I think this is also the time when you did the Magical Girl transformation. Probably. Afterwards... Um, so once that happens with the Call of the Fleet, then, uh, I have it as, uh, Sora Eero Days, the, uh, theme song to Gurren Lagann comes on. And then afterwards, um, when they're, like, getting wiped out, uh, the song Emil Sacrifice from, uh, uh, Nier comes on. Again, like, just kind of, like, fucking, like, just not, not a great, like, Things are kind of like hitting highs, hitting high highs, and then hitting low lows. Um, then it is calling in your secret weapons, which I think is when the the uh, the, uh, the what's it called everything happens when you guys got your your special abilities. So like you got World Serpent Strike, which is when you gave the description of the arm yeah. switching over to scales and everything, and. One use transforms your limb into a manifestation of the world serpent. Uh, strike out and poison even things which cannot be poisoned. 1d20 straight damage rolled every time the opponent takes a turn after it is inflicted. Yeah. Ew, I had a dope-ass description for that, man. I uh, wish I, I still had it. Julia got Fighting Gold Requiem. Uh, 
Manifest a weapon of your choice that complements your golden soul. This this weapon adds 1d20 straight damage to any attack you make. Mori got the divine treasury without limits or restraints. Produce any weapon or weapons that are not unique to your allies. If used to attack, you add 1d20 straight damage to all attacks you make, but may make a second attack at the cost of an additional effort. Brit got spirit of the dance. Moving with unrivaled beauty and skill, you may add to your allies' rolls once per action or more with an extra command Oh yeah, I have, I have Fleet from the East was the Directional Titan, Fleet from the West was the Warships. I have that written down mm -hmm. in there before the Pendant. Okay. Sads 1d20 straight damage to all rolls. It can also be used to add uh, the d22 rolls or take away from enemy rolls. And then Tony got the Sun Bear's Ultimate Death Ray. <laughs> which was, you imitate the Sword of Creation dealing 10d20 straight damage, commit effort. Yep. But if I remember, because they were because some of those were counted as smites, we could only use them like every other yes. turn. Some some of them were counted as smites, so you could only use them every so other turn. So we had to like pick and choose which one we wanted. Um, that one, once you guys started calling in to um, calling in your secret weapons, I had uh, the song "Continue" by the Megas play, which is a really like slow but hopeful <laughs> song. And then what do you have that happens next? Okay, so we unlock special abilities for everyone. Uh, the robot goes down, like their robot goes down, mm -hmm. uh, and we go to grab the Jade Prison out, and the Maiden rises out of the ocean to attack us. Mm -hmm. Do you have in any point that the Sword of Creation fires on you guys? Because that's the next music beat. No, I don't. Okay, so either you forgot about it or I forgot to do it, but basically the Sword of Creation was supposed to fire on you, and the song for that is Death by Glamour. <laughs> um, at some point... Um, but yeah, after that is when the button appears on the robot. Linus uses Sunny's hand to press it. It seems like the AC got turned off in the bot. Oh, it seems like the AC got turned off in yeah. the bot. Yeah, no. So the reason that it seems like the AC got turned off in the bot is because you guys have beckoned the Daystar. You yeah, bring... because the Daystar comes down and we press the button. So Fusion Ha and Solar Daystar. Yes. So you, the Lap and uh, the Daystar combine. Um... Uh, the, 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 the thing is called, let's combine, after calling your allies and the sun, you may combine the lap with the day star and the fleet, becoming the true day star. Uh, the song beat for that is, uh, Hopes and Dreams from the Undertale OST. Mm -hmm. And then that's the last thing I have written on there, but basically, um, you guys got the la the final secret ability of Manifest the Unconquered Sun, in parentheses, just who the hell do you think we are? <laughs> uh, imitating the five limbs of the Unconquered Sun, the Supreme Mech can cause catastrophic damage. In a flurry of weapons and anima, the group acts as one unit. Everyone who is piloting rolls 2d100 straight damage. Yeah, I have that written down about how much damage we each did, too. Um, Didn't Tony do, like, an abysmally low amount of damage? Julia did 131. Mori did 146. Britt did 126, I did 139, and Tony did 93. For a total of 638 damage. Which I believe doing that caused that thing's systems to go... Uh... Yeah, we, we ended up downing um, the mech, uh, mm -hmm. slash the maiden again. Yes. So, and uh, destroying 
in air quotes them. Okay. Um, can I reveal the stuff now? Yes. Okay. So, we find out that it was all a game. Well, actually, let's start off here. This is how the game canonically ends. Yeah. It, because we stopped running after this session, but canonically, I just kind of went, you know what, I, I can't I can't run this anymore. Let's just say that this scene coming up never happened, and you guys basically had a super cool robot fight, and that's how we ended the game. Yeah. So, we find out this was all a game. I believe sessions and sessions ago, I think when we had a calibration event, we talked about how we had card games based off of our characters. Yes. And so we were playing a card game with Jester, who, as we know, can break the fourth wall. And he's like, this is not how this was supposed to end. I was supposed to win. I I looked at all the different editions of this and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. Um, so Seagriff comes out. Um, and I think he comes out with an orb with a child. And um, it's just like, you lost. You lost, buddy. Time to give so, up your soul. A green hand comes out of Malpheus and grabs Jester's soul and just rakes him down. Um, and Jester's body's still there, but his soul isn't. So he's just, you know, dead. And uh, basically Storm's just like, well, trophy. Takes his head. So he actually had a sidereal skull that was equivalent to the sidereal Venus of Serenity. Oh, right, right. That's how you ended up getting yep. it. Yep. Um, and once we get rid of him, we reroute the dragon lines, ley lines, as they need to be rerouted. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of the session. And technically the end of the game that was actually run. Yeah. So, look forward to next week as I'm going to start wrapping up a shit ton of plot threads for the South. Yep. Um... It's going to be a lot more of me talking as I'm the one with all the notes this time. Yeah. Um, and then, so we're going to wrap up the South and maybe some stuff that could have possibly happened. And then the episode after that is going to be how the game is supposed to happen. And hopefully I'll have some stuff from everybody who played on kind of their ideal ending what ending they wanted that I'll be able to read out and talk about Mm -hmm. um, since we can't have people here because COVID. Uh, Right. I would love to get recordings of people, but that probably won't translate very well over to our actual recording. So hopefully I'll have write-ups and we can discuss it and whatnot. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, guys, remember to like, subscribe, comment, um, send in emails to a pair of dice lost at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to give us some suggestions. We've got about two more weeks of Exalted, and then we're going to be on to something new. I think we were talking about talking about Pugmire. Yeah, I would love to do something because I know Maury's going to be running Pugmire soon. I would love to start talking about uh, Pugmire, maybe like. Maybe the some couple- D&D, uh, yeah, maybe some other maybe stuff. Like- a couple, like, take a little bit of time from each episode and just talk about, uh, the, the Pugmire, uh, stuff from the week since we're not gonna be able to, we might be able to record that. And... We might be able to. It's kind of on the, on the iffy side, depending on sound quality, because I don't want to give, uh, I don't want to put out some bad stuff. Yeah. But, uh, we could always just kind of talk about what's going on in the Pugmire game. Mm-hmm. Talk about what's going on in the Pugmire game. We can give some, uh, I guess... DM tips and tricks. Maybe. Have a discussion of just like, we could just kind of, 
We'll come up with some topics to just be like, hey, let's talk for an hour about this. It might be more of a mishmash of a couple different things instead of just a streamlined thing, but mm-hmm. whatever. You guys are apparently like listening to us talk, so. <laughs> so we'll do what we can to keep this going. Uh, so for a pair of Dice Lost Podcasting channel, I've been Brendan. I've been Christina. And keep those good dice rolling. Stay safe, everybody.